You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Great being with you guys. My name is Ryan. For those of you that are new, welcome to North Valley. Man, it's a great season. Um, at our church, we like to have fun. And, you know, this uh, on Friday nights, part of our staff culture is we get our staff team together about once a month. All the families come out, and then we, we just uh, have a good time, encourage each other. And uh, on Friday night, we were playing volleyball uh, right over here. The volleyball courts are open up. I want to encourage you, if you want to stick around after service and play volleyball, it's all yours, okay? Uh, this is a new campus, and we want to make sure we have a lot of fun out there. But on Friday night, um, my wife said, hey, let's play volleyball. And Joshua, our, our worship leader right there, um, he's, he was appointed to, to organize one of the teams, and then uh, my wife and I were on another team. And Joshua is, I nicknamed him the, the Tower of Power because he's so tall, and he could just spike that ball. And unfortunately, we had four on our team, and then he had five, and they crushed us, and they beat us. But Joshua, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. We're bringing it back on. So um, it's his birthday today. So let's sing a song called Happy Birthday. Happy. Oh, we got to work at this. How, how do I do this? You'll follow me? Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Joshua. Happy birthday to you. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was fun. Now I know what those guys feel like on those talk show hosts. You know, they have the drums going, boom, that was funny. Okay, this morning what we're going to do is, um, before we jump into God's Word together, I uh, want to give you a, an announcement and say thank you. Um, you know, look, we bought a big fixer-upper, and, you know, this used to be a bar, a wedding venue, a restaurant, all that stuff, and we've been on campus, and you guys have doing, been doing a good job cleaning it up and working together. Uh, I want to thank you for that. And then also, you guys gave financially because our student ministries, our kids program, and our children's ministry grew, and so we built some outdoor spaces, and I just want to say we hit our goal. You guys gave generously. I want to say thank you. Can we celebrate that? Okay, so excited about that, um, but uh, here's what I want to do. I want to invite up my wife, Leslie. She's going to be a part of today's message, so will you give her a big round of applause for me? All right, and so um, this morning what I thought is, let's just start standing, sweetie. Yeah. And so there's three kinds of marriages, and the first marriage, kind of marriage, not the first marriage, hopefully you don't have three different marriages, but um, <laughs> so the the. The first kind of marriage can be is the face-to-face. And in a face-to-face marriage, why don't you describe what that's like for us when we're in a face-to-face experience in our marriage? What does that look like? Well, face-to-face is ideal. This is when we're doing really good, experiencing friendship, intimacy, things are going good. Yeah, so practically, it's, you're having a date night. Practically, you're taking time out of every single week to invest into the relationship. And if you tell ladies to go um, cultivate friendships, what do they do? They invite their girlfriends to coffee and they sit at the table and they look at each other and talk, oh, I can't believe you feel that way. 
Oh, I understand. And guys don't do that as much. Guys are like, let's go do something and we might be friends. Most guys have relationships in work because they're working together. And, but in marriage, you've got to have face-to-face. And so it, 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 the marriage is so crucial for us, for Leslie and I, to get a, a weekly date night every week. And most of our date nights are at home. They're not uh, out to eat or whatever, but we have to have week-to-week connection time. And so that's, it. that's at a bare minimum. Face-to-face is intimacy, connecting, talking, sharing, all that stuff. It's the more feminine side of Pastor Ryan got to do the face-to-face. Then there's the what? The shoulder-to-shoulder. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this. Shoulder-to-shoulder is when maybe we're in the trenches and we're slugging it out and working hard. Life is busy, raising the kids, and we're experiencing the friendship, but maybe not the intimacy. Yeah, and so as a young family, you're raising kids, empty nesters. You're trying to scatter your time out with grandchildren and kids. Uh, you're in working environments. You have two uh, working spouses. They're, they're shoulder to shoulder. And life is hard. And, 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 and God promises to meet us right in the middle of it. And so you got to go shoulder to shoulder at seasons. But if that's all you got in your marriage, you're going to wear out and burn, up, burn out. And then there's the worst. And this happens, it has happened in our marriage before is where we feel like we're back to back. And back-to-back is when you feel like you're enemies. Mm-hmm. There's unrepented sin. You're not dealing with the issues. And you, don't, you feel like roommates, and you're doing your thing, and she's doing her thing. And so why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you're not experiencing the friendship. Sometimes you might feel like you don't like the other person. Um, back-to-back's not fun. It's not fun. No. All right, so let's look at God's Word together. And and so what we're going to see here in God's word is that the apostle Peter is actually going to challenge the wife and challenge the husband to understand the biblical roles and the biblical responsibilities in the marriage. It's what I'm calling marriageology. You got to study it. You got to learn it. I've been married 16 years. Yes, I got that right. Uh, 16 years and I'm still learning. She told me some stuff last week and I was like, that's you. That's you. That's what you think. I was like, I did not know that. And so what we want to do as a church is the Word of God has the final authority over every, every, every man, every woman, every child, over our church. And so this, the scriptures, give definition and direction to how we do this thing called marriage. So here's the deal. If you're single, this is a biblical vision for manhood. This is a biblical vision for womanhood. You've got to understand this is how God ordains and structures and calls uh, families to be built together. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, um, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives They may be one without a word uh, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. The Apostle Peter is challenging wives to be subject. That that term is a challenging term, and it really means to be, it's, um, uh, let me me make sure to look at my notes, is to place under rank. It's it's a military term. And you think, oh, snap, ladies, you're thinking, I I, I don't know if I want to be in a marriage relationship where it's like a military term, but the Lord is trying to structure order in the household. And the apostle Peter is challenging wives to be uh, subject to their husbands that 
affirming the idea that the husband needs to have spiritual authority and direction. Now, here's the deal in this context. This is specifically, he's writing to husbands um, that may not be Christians. And he's encouraging the wives, even still, be subject to your husbands. But he gives an illustration in saying that they might not conform to the word, that is the gospel, but they can be won over to faith in Christ through the personal conduct of the wife. Years ago, um, Leslie's older sister, uh, Christy, she became a Christian when she was, what was the life event in her life? She had kids. She had, she had kids, and she had kids and decided, you know what, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. She became a Christian, and meanwhile, her husband was not. And what Christy decided to do early on is, I'm not going to nag. I'm not going to manipulate. She read this passage in Scripture and other passages like it and saying, I'm not going to try to manipulate my husband to become a Christian. I heard about one lady who said um, she became a Christian in our church. I'm not going to reveal any names. She became a Christian in our church and in a neighborhood group setting says, yes, I'm glad Jesus saved me. Now all we have to do. And then she turned around and she pointed at her husband and said, is get him saved. And he was like, oh, I do not like this. And it can be too much. And what the apostle Peter still says is there's, a, there's an importance to be um, subject to your husband. So for a non-Christian husband, ladies, those of you that are Christians, you've got a non-Christian husband. My encouragement to you is don't manipulate them. Don't, you don't have to turn on the Christian radio and say, this is all you're going to listen to. I hope you're listening. Um, you just be a Christian. You just be a godly, good Christian lady. Love him. Encourage him to lead. Encourage him to make decisions. As long as it doesn't violate any biblical principle or truth in scripture, you're to follow his lead. The, you know, in church history, St. Augustine, um, he was, uh, came to faith in Christ because his mom was a really strong Christian. Ultimately, God had all the sovereign plan and purposes in his life, but his mom, Monica, um, was a godly woman, and he writes in his journals, um, Confessions of St. Augustine, about how the power of his mom's faith, Monica, not only won him to faith in Jesus Christ, but also uh, Augustine's dad. And so the apostle tells us, Apostle Peter is not just giving some cultural advice, but this is rooted in Christian theology. The apostle Paul says the same kind of thing in Colossians. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives are submit to their husband as fitting in the Lord. We both, as a husband and a wife, both need to submit to Jesus Christ. And as Leslie submits to me uh, for direction and uh, in, in, in understanding and where our God's calling our family. It's as doing it unto the Lord. So this idea of biblical submission, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, the apostle Paul says the same and affirms Peter's idea. And he roots it in Christian theology again. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to what? The Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his himself its savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands so here's the nuts and the bolts of how do we play this out in our own marriage so i'll let you i'll you're you're free to say whatever you want and share what you want as long as it's true 
Okay. <laughs> well, condition. You might think that submission for me, submitting to Ryan, could be easier because he's a godly man and he's a good leader, but I would like to argue that submission is never easy. Our first year of marriage, Ryan went to work one day and left a note on the table for me, and I thought, oh, sweet, he left me a love note. And I pick it up, and as I start to read it, I realize it's a checklist of things he wanted me to clean that day. And it wasn't just like light cleaning. It was like deep spring cleaning. Can, so, I, can I stop? I was a new Christian too, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it means for the man to be leading the household. Yeah. And I like check boxes, so I gave her some. Yeah, yeah so each, I, each item had a, check bo- had a box for me to check off as I went through the list. He had on there, we had hardwood floors. He had vacuum underneath all the furniture, the couch, the chairs. He had clean the dust off the top of the refrigerator, clean behind the refrigerator, like pull it out from the wall, get back there, get the baseboards. And then the last thing on the list was seek to enjoy God's presence in all things. Uh, I, I was reading the devotionals of Brother Lawrence, okay? And that's what he said as a monk. That's what he would do. Serve the Lord and seek to enjoy his presence and all that. So I'm like, oh, this is so spiritual. I'll write this on there. So you know what I did? I called his mom. And I was like, do you know what your son did? And she she told me I should have framed that. But But, um, submission has been a journey. It's not easy. I definitely think that in submission, we can still have a voice. I have a voice in our marriage. We work together as a team. The hard part of submission for me is that I want control. I want to be in control at home. I want to be in control with the kids. When it comes to finances, I'm the spender. So it's important that we're on the same page, that we're communicating in those areas. And I've learned and am learning submission in the little areas and in the big areas. So in the little areas, you know, honestly, like when we go somewhere together, I prefer to drive because when we get in the car, I'm thinking where we're going and the fastest way to get there. When Ryan gets in the car, it's like grandpa got behind the wheel. (laughs) And he's not thinking. thinking. I'm thinking about stuff. But he's not thinking about where we're going and how to get there. And not only is he driving slow, but he's daydreaming about the church. So he's probably going to miss a turn on the way. So submission for me is letting him drive and then not criticizing everything he does while he's doing it. But maybe I ask questions that prompt his thinking. She does. She'll say, (laughs) I know what she's doing. She'll be like, she'll get in the car and she'll go, do you know where you're going? (laughs) And I'm like, yes. And she goes, okay, we'll just pay attention. (laughs) Um, Submission in the big things, Um, last week we went on a marriage conference and it was great, it turned out to be great, it was a marriage conference and Ryan said, I really want to do this, it's for pastors and their wives and he gave me about a week's notice and he said, you know, it was a last minute invite but can we go, I really want to do this. And the first thing, my initial response was not excitement because I started counting the costs and I was like, okay. Kids are going to need a babysitter three nights in a row. They're not going to be excited about it. Homework and chores are going to fall through the crack. It's going to give me a lot of prep work to do on the front end. Then I'm going to have work on the back end. But I was like, sure, let's do it. 
And we went, and it was really great. It was good for our marriage, and I was able to support and encourage Ryan. Yeah. And, and his it meant leadership. a lot to me because I knew it was going to be valuable, but I did know it was going to be hard. You know, especially because I asked her, "Would you will you speak with me?" Because I felt like it's so important for you guys to be able to hear from a woman's perspective about a sensitive topic. And so it was a lot. And yeah. it, but I'm so glad that we did did do that. Yeah. Thank you. So submission's been a journey, and really the only way I can submit to Ryan is because I'm first submitting to the Lord. And through that, I've learned how to be submissive to Ryan. And you know I'm submitting to the Lord too, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, right. that's, that makes it easier. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so on, on that, you know, the Apostle Peter doesn't stop there, and he's going to actually encourage not only that, you know, we understand biblical submission, but we also understand the importance of focusing on what matters most and not an outer beauty for the wives, but for an inner beauty. He says this, he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, he says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, very precious. It's interesting to me that word adorning in the Greek is cosmos. And it's where we get the English word cosmos. And that word cosmos means ordered universe. And it's the same word cosmos is where we get the word cosmetic. And so what the apostle Peter is saying is he's saying, look, the outer beauty stuff, I mean, yeah, that's important, but you don't focus on that. That's not where the key focus needs to be. And the, and the context he's writing in is the uh, Roman Greco women of that century spent an enormous amount of time, money, and energy focusing on just how they looked on the outside. And what the, the Christian writer of uh, Peter is encouraging women, he's saying, yeah, that may, that's, I'm not saying you, that you can't you know, look good. And the Apostle Paul even affirms later about physical exercise. He's saying, yeah, it has some value, but the greater value is in what's happening on the heart. And there's this great importance of focusing on the inner beauty. I mean, what's beautiful to me is when Leslie is submitted to the Word of God and her life is changed, her character, her person, we have a forgiving, loving home rather than a home that's contentious and filled with arguments and strife. Um, You can see, you know, when you watch TV and culture, you think of the most beautiful people on the planet, and you usually find them where? Hollywood. But you find the ugliest marriages where? Hollywood. And so the Apostle Peter is admonishing that there's this importance that there be an adorning, this orderly spiritual life of the hidden person of the heart. Ladies, You can put yourself all together and look very, very beautiful. But if the inner heart and the inside of your spiritual heart is not orderly and put together, then it's not beautiful. And what the Apostle Peter is challenging is for us to um, focus on what matters most. He gives an example in in verse 5. He says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. He says, by submitting, look, you become orderly, you become beautiful by submitting to their own husband. Specifically, um, the Lord had 
verse 6, it says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, I don't think I'm going to get away with Leslie calling me Lord. No, I'm not going to call you Lord. But the idea of Sarah calling him Lord was that it was a title of honor and respect. And the Lord had promised Abraham that they were going to have a child. And at first, they just kind of laughed about it. And, and, and then um, Sarah's like, all right, I respect you, Abraham. I'll, I put my hope in God. And I'm going to trust and follow your lead. And then it says, and, and the, Peter is writing to a group of women who were um, in the first century um, oftentimes socially outcast because they were Christians. And he says this, and you are her children, meaning you're part of the believing family, the believing community. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Specifically, he's trying to encourage the ladies that they don't need to live a life of fear. Even though they're going to be called to live radically different, they may be ostracized by not participating and living the life like non-Christians are living. But he's saying you need to live a life of faith. And so the importance here is very, uh, for us to understand as husbands, we need to value the inner beauty more than the outer beauty. And if all I do is affirm Leslie's physical body and her looks, then what happens when we get older and our bodies change? The focus needs to be on the inner beauty. So how does that play out for us mm -hmm. in, our, in our marriage and for you? Well, um, the older I get and the longer I'm married, I've realized that beauty is, outer beauty is fading and fleeting. And it's really godly character that sustains our marriage. We got married at 24 and at 26, I was pregnant with twins. And I felt like my body changed overnight. Um, I went to the doctor a month after they were born for the follow-up, and I said, I have these lines on my stomach, and they're not going away. What can I do? And she said, oh, honey, those are stretch marks, and they're never going away. And I said, oh, no, not me. I'll do sit-ups every day until they're gone. I'll get rid of them. But sure enough, I haven't. They're still there. So, uh, the, and the, the bummer was that Ryan's body didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't until he hit 30 that his body started to change. There it, is. <laughs> I, there it is. I was thinking earlier she was going to say 40, but no, she said 30. I'm like, you've got your numbers wrong. Well, now at 40, it doesn't take much to pull a muscle, but no. it, growing old is hard. Um, Proverbs says that beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. When I was 21, I accepted Christ and... I wanted to know the Lord, to know how to live for Him and follow Him, and so I jumped in His Word, and I started doing Bible studies, and I was in small groups that facilitated studies through His Word, and that's been, the fruit of that has been the gentle and quiet spirit, learning how to be a wife that's not nagging and constantly arguing and criticizing, learning how to, when there's conflict in our marriage, learning how to go to the Lord and confess where I've sinned and made mistakes, and then turning to Ryan face-to-face -face and asking for forgiveness or extending forgiveness yeah. and submission, for sure, through, through the Lord and learning that through His Word. Yeah, because and what I would say is in our early years of being married, like, our marriage wasn't that beautiful. Like, I was a punk hellion kid who got saved and then tried to figure out how to be married to a wonderful, beautiful girl who was a brand-new believer, too. So we'd get into arguments and like, I'd go like, 
you know, physical, like, when, I mean, I pu- I'm not proud of it, but like I punched a hole through my sheetrock, you know, like my wall, because I was frustrated and didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, oh, that is so dumb. What did I do that for? Embarrassing, you know, and then she would lock the room, lock the door, and, and then we wouldn't resolve conflict sometimes for three days. And, and so when you look at that, like there's nothing beautiful about that. But what's beautiful, and I'm telling you this because I want you to believe this with all, all your heart, is what's beautiful is today, when I offend Leslie, I don't go like Hulk on anything. And I've never gone Hulk on my wife, but I don't do Hulk smashes in the house. I don't have to. I don't feel that anymore because I've asked God to change me. And the same thing with Leslie. Now, like when we get into an argument, she doesn't even shut the door and lock it. She will say, I need some space. And I'm like, no problem. No door needs to be shut. No door needs to be locked. I just back away. And then there's forgiveness. There's repentance. There's reconciliation. And to me, that is so beautiful. That is so redemptive. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I mean, physical appearance is important. You know, men are visual. I want to look attractive for Ryan and meet his desires and his needs. But what's, that's not going to sustain our marriage. What sustains our marriage is godly character. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, sweetie. I love you so much. All right. Well, the rest of the time, guys, I want to challenge you uh, to, to lead and to love and to serve as, a, as the head of your households. The first thing is, is that we need to do is we need to understand and study her. We need to understand our wife. You know, it says, Peter says this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That idea to live with means that you dwell with them, that you spend quality time together. I've heard couples say to me, yeah, I do my thing, she does her thing. Let me just tell you something, that's a shoulder-to-shoulder marriage. It's not gonna work for you long-term. No problem, I understand there's seasons of unsustainable energy that you need to exert towards your job, towards your business, or maybe it's raising the kids and giving care, but wives need to be careful not to dedicate all their energy towards the kids and then not towards the husband. Husbands need to be careful not to dedicate all their energy towards the organization, the business, the work, and then not back to the wife. We need to live with, dwell with our wives in an understanding kind of way. I read recently on average, men in America are spend 37 minutes per week with their spouse. That's not enough time. No wonder you have conflict. No wonder you can't engage and encourage and edify. No wonder the divorce rates are not much different from the church to the, those outside of the church. Um, living with in an understanding way, that, that, that's the idea that we need to study. Um, many of you have heard the, the book called uh, The Five Love Languages. The Five Love Languages by, I think it's Gary Chapman. Is that it? Um, he, you know, here they are. Words of affirmation is a love language. When you affirm somebody, quality time, just spending time together. That, that's my love language. I just want to spend time with my bride. I love my bride. She's my best friend. We spend time together. Physical touch, that's my love language too. So I always want to like hug her, kiss her, all that. I'm physical touch. Um, then there's acts of service, doing things for one another, caring for one another through... Uh, giving somebody, you know, helping somebody out, helping out around the house or whatever. And then there's gifts. Well, for Leslie, um, hers have changed. I've been married now 16 years. And what? 
I asked her the other day, uh, you, we're not like, I, I, I just did this act of service for you. Wasn't that good? Didn't that earn a couple points? Because, you know, I feel like, I do think marriages, are, they have a point system in some regard. And I'm like, did that not earn a point? And she said, no. And I said, what? And she said, well, my love languages have changed. And I said, huh? Your love language, nobody's love languages change. She said, mine did. And I said, okay, well, what are they? And she said, mine are now are words of affirmation when they used to be acts of service. How do you know that unless you work, live with, dwell with your wife in an understanding kind of way? You got to do that. You got to study them. Not only that, but we also are not called to just understand and study, but also called to protect. Husbands, you're the protector. You're, you're the provider. You're the protector. You need to protect your spouse. And the Apostle Peter talks about acknowledging specifically some of the social challenges that were going on in the first century is that many of the women were being ostracized and they were, had a weaker influence within that culture. And, and, and he, he calls it and he says, showing honor to the, to the woman as the weaker vessel. He doesn't mean weaker intellectually. He doesn't mean weaker spiritually, not by any means. What he's referring to is the, um, the role and the responsibility and the influence that she has in society is not near as strong as the man has. It was a man-generated, centered culture. And he's saying that we're to show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. We're to care for, nurture, protect, care, help in any way we can. Practically, guys, it's like looking at how are you going to protect your wife and uh, from maybe her fears or her concerns? Is the, does the family have the financial planning put in place? Or are the needs of the household being taken care of? Who, who locks the doors at night? Leslie at night, she'll nudge me and go, did you lock the doors? Sometimes when I'm bad, I'm like, no, you lock the doors. And no, but I get out of bed and make sure we have an alarm system, everything's locked up, she feels protected. When, when there's confrontation, uh, say the cable guy overcharged us or whatever, and she knows it, and she says, I can't handle this conversation, I don't want to do this, will you call? I want to protect her from emotional harm. I want to protect her from things that will hurt her. The Apostle Peter challenges us that we're to show honor in this regard, and in doing so, we're protecting. Not only that, but we're to respect he says that they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That we have an equal value in God's eyes, that we share in God's grace of the life that we have together. And that we're to work together in, in, in this, this life vision that we have in our, in our marriage. And so in raising kids, Leslie and I, we're co-heirs in this grace of life. And we need to view life as a gift of God. You know, I said last week, but, you know, Dave Ramsey, I like what he says, you know, as somebody says, how you doing? And he says, better than I deserve. Everything we've got is a gift of God's grace. The sun shining, the rain coming down and, and, and raining, and it's, God's, it's a gift of God's common grace. And as a husband and a wife, we're co-heirs in that. Leslie and I defer to each other. There is a mutual submission that I have to the Lord Jesus Christ. Leslie submits to Jesus Christ. And then I want to work this thing called life together with her. Uh, and we've got to acknowledge that. One of the important, though, in understanding the incredible part of respect as a husband and a wife is to understand that God created men and women equal. Genesis 1.27 is kind of the foundation for understanding 
um, the value that each man and each woman has. The Bible says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's something beautiful about a man, or uh, let me not say that again, rewind. There's something beautiful about a female and the diversity and the creativity that she has. There's something great and wonderful about a male and his masculinity, and they're absolutely different. And the male and the female are to be respected and seen as equal in value. I kind of want to walk through um, the Genesis account to help you understand how God and made man and uh, woman, and they're equal in value, but different in role. Genesis 2, 18 through 20, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Continuing on in verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man while he slept, took one of of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is... This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The biblical vision for marriage is oneness. It's being united in one. One heart, one spirit, one mind, one flesh. That's the idea. And that happens when the marriage is consummated. And what God's calling for is this, is that we need to understand in our marriages, it's equal in value, but different in role. Marriage is a relationship between one man, one woman, one lifetime, and a vision for oneness. That when we come together, we are one. Sometimes people will ask and say, well, um, uh, yeah, I talked to your wife about this situation, but what do you think? And I say to them, If she already told you, why are you asking me? Because when she's spoken, I've spoken. We're that close. The vision for marriage is oneness. And there's a respect that men, you guys need to have. She's not created um, at a lower value. It's just a different role. Lastly, we need to understand our vision for men in the households as husbands, specifically to serve. The apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and challenges us to understand that our Christian theology is at stake here. We've got to realize that the way we run the household uh, reflects the way God works within the church. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his bride, that's the church, and husbands are to do the same thing. My model in, in uh, a focus as a, as a husband for Leslie is sacrificial loving leadership. So that means when it comes to areas of money, I want to make sure that my money reflects that there's a sacrificial investment into what she thinks is important to spend money on. When it comes to time, I'll sacrifice my time in order to honor whatever Leslie thinks is important. 
when it comes to making decisions, I'll come to her and say, sweetie, I sense this is what the Lord has for us, but I want to honor you and make sure I'm not missing anything. She's, by the way, called the helper, which is another name for the Holy Spirit. I think our wives are, sometimes we need to understand that their voice, their opinion, their ideas and their discernment is a gift of God in much like how the Holy Spirit operates. So he continues on and says in verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. That means that the words that we say are to edify, cleanse, there needs to be forgiveness in our speech, love, affirmation, Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. It's a high order. We're to love our wives and make them better. They shine brighter. They live better. They're spiritually healthy. That's a call for the husband to love the wife, to love and to lead. Serving is the essence of biblical headship. The Apostle Paul writes and says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So just as Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband to be the head of the household. Continuing on in, in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes to clarify headship to the church in Corinth. He says, but I want you to understand, this is important, that the head of every man is Christ. So that means that my boss is Jesus, and I have to all the time submit my life to Jesus Christ. You're in charge, Lord, I'm not. Here's the challenge, too, I find, is that women are oftentimes more spiritually receptive than men. Here's why I believe this, is because men have a harder time submitting to Jesus. Women don't. I'm not saying that's always the case, but men have a hard time submitting their lives to Jesus Christ. Women don't as much. But as a Christian husband, you must submit your life to Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be a Christian just to know about God. You need to submit to him and say, you're the Lord. You're in charge. You're the head. I'm not. The Apostle Paul writes, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. There's an order of operation. So this idea of submission, this idea of headship, it's a biblical understanding. Jesus submitted himself to God the Father. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, hey, if this cup could pass before me, if there's another way that I don't have to go through this suffering, let it be so. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. I came to do his work. In the same way, the, there's this challenge that we have to understand that as a husband submits to Jesus Christ, the wife is to submit to the husband. But the essence of it at all is serving. Look what it says in Matthew. This is the, the role of Jesus Christ. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our challenge for men in this church is to serve. You serve everybody. You serve most your wife. Your wife is not known by what you, what you took away from her, but what you gave to her. That when you leave this earth, she is better, she is more cherished, she is more honored, she is more cared for. And your leadership is not a dictatorship. It's a role, it's a gift of headship. And the responsibility and the judgment of how your household is doing is on you men. 
Even in the Bible, when we look at Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve blew it and they rebelled against God, in the New Testament, it's affirmed that the blame goes back to Adam. The scripture doesn't even mention Eve as the problem, mentions Adam as the problem. So the challenge is, is that men are called to lead. Ladies, I know how hard it can be to follow your husband's lead if they themselves are not submitting to Jesus Christ. But let me remind you, that's where Peter started. He said, listen, if you've got a husband who's not a believer, they can be one without even a word of your mouth. So let me pray now for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are our helper in this call to live out a life, um, Lord, that's in submission to you. I pray, Father, for the men in the room that have not yet surrendered their life to you and submitted to you as Lord. Today would be the day they would simply say, I put my faith and trust in you. You be the Lord of my life. I submit my ways to you, Father, and bring new life. Lord, I thank you for the gift of marriage and the privilege of it. I do pray, Father, that we would realign uh, the areas in our lives that are not honoring and godly and that we would take the scriptures and say, I want to step, take one more step that my life would be patterned after this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.